that was that, that was pretty cool. Uh, you know, I was thinking in my head. I mean, ten-year-old me is probably would be crying right now. He wouldn't believe what's going on. So uh, I didn't really know what I had to do. You know, like, hey, go. They want a curtain call. Go on the stairs. And uh, first time I had to do that, so it was exciting. Well, Flip, that's Joey Gallo talking to our Meredith Morakovitz after his huge night on Thursday. And more specifically, he's talking about his curtain call from the Yankee Stadium crowd. Given the name of this podcast, Flip, I don't think there's a more fitting way to start this week's show. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, it was it was a really quick curtain call. Uh, very, mo- very modest. You know, he's a very uh, it was a modest person and uh and it showed really in the in the curtain call it was like hello here i am i'm going back in the dugout um you know which is fine you know what it says speaks to his uh speaks to his uh one of his more uh more charming attributes and one of the great attributes of, of, of people can be is humility and uh, he showed some humility there and uh, uh, a lot of it actually and that speaks like i said the very well of him so yes it was a very it was a very quick curtain call but again it spoke to humility and it one was wasn't one of those here i am i come out look at me look at me i'll be standing out here for 20 minutes it's like so reggie jackson you know, well i didn't say that i mean i, I said that i mean that's whatever but i yes reggie was known to for prolonged curtain calls but a uh, different kind of player different kind of sensibilities for sure but um but uh that was very quick on on the on Gallo's part, and 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 you know it is very appropriate given the set of circumstances. So so good for him, and and more, most importantly, good for the Yankees because uh, they 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 are on a roll. They're on the roll they needed to start to be on. They're definitely on it, and hopefully it will continue for them because they're making up a lot of ground now. Yeah, you said a huge night for Gallo on Thursday. Three huge hits, all extra base hits, two doubles, and then of course the big home run that put the Yankees ahead in the seventh. Uh, so. Let me give you Gallo's six games prior, and then I want you to tell me how big that night was for him because his six games prior, he was batting 087, no home runs, no RBIs, slugging 174. That This just had to be a, a weight off his shoulders. Oh, no doubt. I mean, I think he had said something along the lines of he felt like a – when he was a little boy, he felt like he's, when you have a bad day, you, you cry a lot. And he said, I just felt like crying because I wasn't off to a good start. And no, he wasn't off to a good start, but you know, the, this is not about good starts. This is about what from now till the end of the season and what the Yankees can accomplish. And I always talk about getting help from unexpected places. If you're coming out of spring training, if you told me the Yankees are going to wind up with, with Gallo and Rizzo and that's help from unexpected places. That's, big time help from unexpected places. And if you look at the two of them in the aggregate in the week, what they've done collectively, the two of them, you look at that and you go like, wow, what a difference the two of them have made. So yes, and it was, and it was Gallo's turn, right. To, to, uh, to, you know, to contribute to making a big difference. And, and boy, did he ever yesterday. Cause that's a, that's a win you could attribute to, uh, almost directly to Joey Gallo. Yeah, no doubt. And to your point, now is the time to put that slow start behind you. Um, we, we could kind of, I guess, point our fingers as to why it was a slow start. Um, I thought John Flaherty in the post game was great. He said, listen, a team just traded for you. They have a ton of respect for you. You want to repay them. You're putting all this pressure on yourself. Uh, on top of that, you want to prove to your new teammates how good you are. Um, so that might have been some of the reason behind the slow start, I would think. Yes, I would think that that's probably a lot of it. I mean, you, how how could a player? I don't care the, the you know the uh, the size of the star, if you will. Uh, how could you not be nervous? You know, you're you you going from not being in the pennant race at all on any level to being in the in the middle of a pennant race, uh, a team that's you know fighting to to, to get into the to uh, to to the postseason. So uh, every at bat is now is magnified. Every play in the field is magnified. You know, the, you're the back page when the trade got made. It was, it was the back page, in some cases, the front page of many of the, the tabloids. He's the subject of sports talk radio. I mean, it's all about him. And so from very little attention to maximum attention on, on, a, on, on the biggest stage in the world, which is New York, 
how could he not feel the need to press? I mean, it's, it's, like, it's just basic human nature. Of course, if you press, no one wants, everybody wants to, to do well. And particularly given, you know, his credentials and what the Yankees, what the mission statement of the Yankees is and why they went out and got him. So he was feeling, I'm probably feeling the pressure to, to perform and, and he pressed and whatever. I mean, whatever reason it was slow, but, but you know what, now hopefully that's the beginning of a run for him as well. It's certainly, like I said, Rizzo has early had a week to remember. So it's there, you know, and the Yankees are playing and that's just the two of them. The Yankees are really starting to play well now a lot of other players are contributing too so the team it's a team effort and they're playing well you know who wasn't pressing john sterling did you hear his call no i didn't <laughs> all right i'm gonna do my john sterling here you ready yeah, yeah i'm ready joey jacks one <laughs> <laughs> that was his call joey jacks one yeah yeah that's it's uh, sterling <laughs> on the surface and when i first heard it i was like oh you could do better that's not that creative um but then i started to think about it i can't do better than joey jackson that that was good (laughs) it's joey jackson okay well what is sterling you know it's he's uh you say it enough times hopefully he gets a chance to practice it and to say it enough times where it's really going to have a profound effect on the on the the pennant race so there you go. <laughs> this is how good Sterling yeah. is, how much better he is than me. I would have said, Gallo, do not hit that shallow. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Yeah, better with Joey Jack's one. <laughs> oh, <laughs> maybe we're better with that. Oh, no. What's your favorite Sterling call? Tell me. <laughs> My favorite Sterling call. That's a good one. Um, uh, Kyle Agashioka, the home run stoker. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> I like that. I love one. it. I like that one too. <laughs> For me, it's uh, Robbie Cano, don't you know? Oh, yeah. Well, that's that's one of the more famous ones. Yeah, sure. That's a classic. Yeah. We did actually, you know what? We did a Twitter tournament yeah. earlier in the year yeah. asking users what the um, their favorite was. Uh-huh. If I remember correctly, Burn Baby Burn won. Oh, you mean all time? Yeah, oh, all yeah. time favorite. Mm-hmm. We had 16 calls up against each other like tournament style yeah, that was the first one that was his first one ever i think i think you're right and it got such reaction that he decided to stylize the, you know, the nicknames if you will but make nicknames and stylize them <laughs> whatever it is that sterling does <laughs> i don't know what sterling does sometimes but i uh i, I like john is so entertaining and he, we've had him on curtain call and he's so much fun and i know the yankee fans love him and they, and they should he's a treasure i mean that's time you know, I know some of the critics don't care for that style, but you know that's too bad. You know, it's he's really very entertaining and and you know and he's good and he and he's in his eighties now. It's a long time yeah. to be doing this and you know and still be able to to command the microphone. That says a lot about his, uh, you know, Sterling. You're on the mark, Teixeira. That's <laughs> right. You're on the mark, Teixeira. Let's switch over to Anthony Rizzo. Uh, could not have had a better start to his Yankee career, could he? No, I mean, there's no, I don't know how you could do better. I mean, he's just been awesome. And the team just, the players love him. And he just commands a room without overtaking a room. Some people can walk in a room and they command the room without being, some people command a room, but there's an arrogance about that commanding a room. He's not an arrogant, I mean, I know him. He's not an arrogant person at all. He's very giving. He's very warm. He's a really generous person. And, uh, you know, he just, people just feel secure around him. They feel safe around him. They just, they just like who he is and what he represents. And, you know, he's, he is, he's a real Yankee. I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't know any other way to put this in when, and I mean that in the, obviously the nicest possible terms. And when you say somebody's a real Yankee and you, you look at, you look at the mantles and, you know, the, the Maggios and the, I mean, the people who have commanded that, that, that the Jeters have commanded that stage of that's a Yankee. Rizzo could wind up being a Yankee, a real Yankee. He could be one of those seminal players. It's possible. I don't doubt it at all. You mentioned Mantle, DiMaggio, Jeter. Yeah. Well, Rizzo became the first player in Yankees history with an RBI in each of his first six games with the team. All those other names, Rizzo's the first. Let me give you his first six games. Yeah. Batted 400. Three home runs, six RBIs, eight runs, OBP of 519, slugging 850. So he really came out of the gate swinging for sure. And Absolutely. you know what? It's it's yep. not just his bat. 
It's his glove, too. And we're seeing oh. that. I think we saw it on Thursday. And his attitude, it, his attitude is, is, is the respect he commands in that clubhouse. His, you know, his mentoring ways is because he has a very mentoring style, very giving, very warm, generous, as I mentioned, style with people. So they people feel comfortable with him. So the fact that he's put everybody out of very, because, you know, there's a tendency to press. You got to win games. You got to make up some ground. You know, there's this pressure. He diffuses pressure. That's the best way that I could put this. He diffuses pressure. He's got the bat for sure. And he's got a, he's, look, he's one of four goal gloves. I mean, he knows, I know I play first base and, and he's, you know, he'll save them errors. Every, the fielders, the players around him in the infield feel comfortable. They don't have to aim throws. They don't have to worry about a throw that bounces. He's going to get it. Wherever he throws in the vicinity, the vicinity being the, the, uh, the, the same state. He's going to find a way to catch the ball. Okay. So he catches the ball. He hits the ball. He's great with people. I mean, honestly, you know, how much better does it get? Uh, what, what are we, what are we missing here? You stole the words out of my mouth. Like just throw the ball in the general direction. Yeah. The state, same state would be the general direction, right? <laughs> it's the Northern part of the state, the Southern part of the state, it is East is West. Just throw it over there somewhere. He'll get it. Yeah. And he looks like a guy I want to have a beer with too. Right. Yeah. Oh Yeah. He's, he's just he's, he's a fun guy. I mean, I I've told you the story. I met him at the Super Bowl and we wanted him in a conversation and and we talked the entire game, the entire game. It was a great football game. And we basically you know, all we did was talk baseball till the very end when when Mahomes was driving them down the field. That's about two years ago, I guess. That's when I met him. And we've we've been friends since. And and he's just a good guy. He's easy to be friends with and he's smart, he's funny, and he he knows when he's just He's done, he's had, you know, he's a cancer survivor. He's just done, he's a remarkable human being. That's the best way. That, it's the only way I can put it. It's just the truth. That's the best thing I could say about him. He's a remarkable human being. On top of that, when you combine him with Gallo, those yeah. two lefties, the lineup is just completely different. Different team. There's a different team. Opposing though. managers, they, they can't navigate that lineup. It's amazing. No. I mean, the whole idea, look, you can inside out all you want at the plate in other words you could be a right hand hitter inside out and go, go the other way that's fine it isn't the same as being a lefty hitter who can with pull power in that ballpark you saw with gallo he's a lefty hitter with pull power that that whole run is a yankee stadium right field home run that's why and, and you can say well it doesn't mitigate it's a three-run homer is a three-run homer is a three-run homer i don't care where you hit it how i hit it it, but that's part of the reason that lefties are invaluable in that ballpark is the pull power that you create. And, and, and it just, and, that, and he's got that. And, and look, Rizzo, Rizzo hits lefties. Like nobody can hit lefties. Think about how lefty pitchers dominate lefty hitters and then watch Anthony Rizzo hit a lefty. He hits lefties, but he hits righties and he destroys righties. So it gives you an idea what he does to the lefties. I mean, that's amazing. He can hit lefties like that. Remember that next time you watch him play, watch him hit against the lefty. He doesn't bail. He stays right in there. And his swing is an interesting swing where he can just go down and get everything away. He can get it away and he can pull it away. And it doesn't come off his pull. He can also go the other way with it. That's why he hits for average. That's why he's the hitter he is. Still plenty of Yankees talk to get into, Flip. Before we do that, let's set the table real quick. I am Kevin Sullivan from the Digital Media Department here at Yes, alongside, as always, Sports Broadcasting Hall of Famer, Mr. John J. Filippelli. How are you, Flip? I'm, I'm really good, Kev. Thank you for asking. Always, uh, always well. Uh, and uh, it's just nice to have, uh, to have real meeting uh, back in the games and watching them with a, a real purpose because every, every game matters right now. And, it, uh, and uh, that's, the, that's the whole, that's what you want. This time of year, you want to be able to look and say, we're in a race. The Yankees are very much in a race. And that, that gives you real rooting interest and makes all the games uh, that much more important because when your team's not in it, it's really hard to sort of sit there knowing that the team isn't in it. Well, the, the little difference a week makes. How about that? What a difference. Six and one since the trade deadline. Yeah. Amazing. Before we talk about the trade deadline yeah. and six and one, yeah. please rate, review, and subscribe. That is the best way to help us, I think. Um, but I, do. Yeah, to your, I do. I do. You think as well. <laughs> you rate, review, and subscribe. <laughs> yes, you just said to, to do that. And I'll, I'll do that. I usually don't do that, but I'll do that if it helps us. I hope you got your family doing it. I have everybody's family doing it. I mean, people I, know, they do it. I mean, people I don't even know. That's how are you? I said, I'm good. Rate, review, and subscribe, please. It helps us. Thank you very much. I don't ask <laughs> for nice much day. in life. I don't ask people for much. I'm actually a very good guy, I think, in the whole, in the aggregate. I, I don't ask for anything. I, I meet perfect strangers. I was on Metro North the other day. He said, how are you? I said, great. Rate, review, and subscribe. It's very important. You know, five, we're, we're rated five stars. But... 
we are. Isn't that nice? It's that's a nice thing. It's a nice rating. And thank you for uh, that's obviously our fan base that helps us. And, and then we appreciate that. So thank you very much. Great review. Subscribe. To your point, it's been a fun week. Yankees are six and one since the trade deadline. Boone has said that the team is re-energized since the deadline. How can you not be? Cortez said on Thursday night, it's an all-time high, the energy in the clubhouse. Can two or a few guys really, really make that much of a difference? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's a halo effect. I mean, it, I mean, uh, yeah, there's definitely a halo effect from those deals. And uh, I mean, th- I don't remember. I mean, I remember the Yankees making, I can't tell you how many deals they've made at the deadline over the, in my lifetime. And I mean, I, it's, it's countless. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm hard pressed to remember any deal they made that they've made where it has had this type of effect this quickly. You know, I, there's been call ups that have really changed the, the, the direction of the team, Mel Stoudemire being called up in oh, I don't know, 1964, you know, uh, you know, mattered to the Yankees and, you know, helped them get into a world series and, you know, and then we could pick others. There's been, there's, there's, there are call-ups that make a difference or trades that make a difference for sure. But this, the, this deal, these deals this week have put the Yankees from, you know, from just, just really literally on life support to very much back in the race, very much back in the race. And that's, that's what you want. You need them, you need them back in and they're, and they're back in in a big way. They're playing really well. They're not making the mistakes they made before they're hitting the ball. They're pitching. Well, they're not making their defense. Certainly is solidified. Rizzo has been unbelievable at first that saved them. I don't know how many, how many plays he saves them balls that he scoops up that other people wouldn't get, you know, the, the, the double play he turned the other day that probably wouldn't have been turned by, you know, if he's not there, so he's his range is you know his uh you know just just ability the stretching the stretch that he can do the scoops that he can do the I mean, he's got it all he's a goal an elite gold glove defender that's what he is he's a terrific player and it's made a big difference and and the players really like him I mean watch him on the infield watch him always pointing watch him always pounding his glove in, in support of his teammates I mean he, he's 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 making a difference every which way with his bat, with his glove, with his attitude. In every which, every every any metric you want to use to measure that di- a difference maker, he is he's coming up a, with you know a plus rating. It has been a fun week, but the truth is, it's been a fun month. The Yankees are eighteen and eight over the last twenty six games. They've hit a new high watermark, ten games over five hundred, which leads me to this, which Yankees fans are not going to like. Because my predictions never come true. You ready? Yes. There is no way the Yankees don't make the postseason. They are making the postseason. You like my guarantee? Is that your guarantee? Is that your? Guarantee? Tell me I'm wrong. Tell me I'm wrong. You're not wrong. I, I think they're going. No, do I think they're going to make the postseason? I, I, you know what? I know <laughs> they could win the division. Wow. Yeah. Okay. They can. Now, I, I'm not saying that that. I'm not guaranteeing a thing. I mean, obviously I can't, who knows? Uh, you know, I don't have a crystal ball and I don't read tea leaves. They could though. I mean, because you right now, the Yankees, are the Red Sox better than the Yankees right now? No, they're not. Are the Rays better than the Yankees right now? No, they're not. No. I mean, witness the Yankees went into Tampa and did what they did in Tampa. Okay. Witness that. It's a place where they never win a series. They very rarely win a game. They went in there and they 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 held their own. They they played very nicely in in, uh, in Tampa, um, you know. And we still have games left against the Red Sox, who are ahead of us now in the wild card, right? So I, I still, you know, I honestly believe the way that and we're getting Severino back. I cannot. I mean, that's going to be that could be incredibly huge to the Yankees, you know. So you've got you've got him. His return is imminent. That's going to make a difference, you know, and, and Cole, you know, Cole has had a couple of struggles here and there, but Cole is still Cole and he's been, and, and the way Tyone has pitched, the, the Yankees starting pitching is really, is, is really actually pretty formidable. And, um, you know, we, we've had, we have a COVID situation now with Montgomery, but hopefully he'll be back soon. You start looking at that and you look at the Yankee depth there and you say, you know what? Starting pitching is strong. The bullpen is rebound. They're hitting the ball. They're playing tighter defense. What more do you need to do? What, what part of this game have we not talked about? Every area of the game they're improved on, and not just improved, they're playing with passion. Find a purpose for your passion. I always tell people that if you have passion, find a, an outlet for it. The Yankees have a purpose for that passion now. That purpose is to, is to wind up you know, in, in doing, doing major damage in October. 
And I, I think they're capable of it. I really do. I think I think it's possible they can win the division. I'm not, I don't know. They've got some work to do. Don't get me wrong. I mean, they, this, the schedule favors them and the way they're playing favors them. That, that's two big things in their favor. That's a lot. Glad you brought up pitching because as we talk right now, obviously uh, Garrett Cole and Jordan Montgomery are down on the COVID IL. Um, you mentioned Severino, Kluber's down. You know, they're doing yes. it now with – let me give you the – the starters for this, the Mariners yeah. series. Yeah. We saw Cortez. He was yes. game one. Pitched well. And Peralta. Yeah, he did pitch well. Yeah, I like uh, Peralta. Okay. Peralta in two. Yeah, but that's a bullpen game, right? Yes, absolutely. Totally. Totally. Uh, then Heaney. Then Heal. So your four starters are Cortez, Peralta, Heaney, and Heal. And they're still winning. That's a, that's a testament to this team, like you said, to playing Heel, with Heel, passion. Heal was good. Heal was unbelievable. Six innings pitch, four hits, no runs. Could you? I did not see. And that he was coming. dominant. He was dominant. He looked amazing. Yeah, big time prospect. Um, I'll tell you really what the well. key is. Yeah, the the key is Saturday's game. The key is Heaney. Heaney needs to give them length because the game before is a complete bullpen game. Well, you know, in the words of my uncle Carl, I mean, nothing is easy. <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm not saying that this is going to be the easiest route. Um, you know, Heaney's got a lot to, to prove, you know, um, but uh, I mean, he certainly has the he certainly has the velocity and the stuff. Now he's got to get he's got to find his command. He's got to be able to put pitches where he needs to put them. I don't you know, that's easier said than done. Um, he struggled with the Angels. He's got a big time arm. You know, it's and, and, and sometimes, you know, when you have an arm, look, I mean, everybody gave up on Tyone. Look what happened with Tyone is now. I mean, he's been pitching as well as anybody in the game right now. Who's pitching better than him? Nobody. Oh, you know, pitcher so. of the month. Well, there you go. Yeah. And it happens to be this month. So who's pitching better? Nobody. Nobody. I, you know what this does? This puts a spotlight on the importance of Jameson Tyone. Um, and he's answering the call. It puts the importance on advanced scouting and understanding what other teams have and seeing talent and saying, you know what, we that we the, yes, there's some circumstances here. There's injuries and there's a lot of you know um, things that have to be sort of have to work right. But if we can get some of these things to work right, this is called buying really low and, and having a tremendous ceiling. That's what happened. You know, people forget that Tyone was the second player picked behind Bryce Harper in the draft. Think about this. He was the number two player selected in the country. Whenever bright, whatever year it was that Harper was uh, selected, one I don't remember the years. A long time ago now. So Harper's been playing a while now, so it's a bunch of years. But having said that, think about what the talent level is there to be picked that high, right? Yeah. So this is this isn't exactly like oh we found this guy in some scrap heap somewhere. No, this guy this guy was really thought of to be a, a, a big time not a major leaguer but a potential star. Big time star, and Tommy too. Tommy John's testicular cancer, unbelievable start. Overcome all that, he's overcome all that. Then a slow start. Well, we're ready to give up. He's not pitching. You know, just keep. You got to let him go. You got to let him shake the rust. He's got the talent. He has the talent. He just needed the reps, and he's gotten the reps. And now you see how he's pitching. People need to show a little bit of patience. You got to show patience, folks. You just have to. Not everything happens right in the, in the time frame in which you want it. Unfortunately, that's life. You know, I don't want to give you some be some philosophical thing about life. I'm not going to go that that road. You know, I mean, although you know, I knew Plato. I mean, I went to school with him. You know, <laughs> and Abe. <laughs> and Abe right? What was the other one I went to work with? Cy Young. I remember people wrote yeah. it. And I know Cy Young. Of course, I did. We Cy went Abe and Plato. We were all friends. But Plato had only one name. That's what I liked about him. Known as like the artist known as Plato. Well, you you have one name. <laughs> Flip. Flip. The artist yeah. does flip. Yeah, that's me. Yeah, that's that's totally me. Um, you know, we, uh, yes. There you go. But anyway, let's. How about we do some uh, yeah, emails? Let's, flip. Let's do that. Time for some mail. I love that tune every time I hear it. All right, Matt from Milford. I love watching Homegrown on the app. Well, thank you, Matt. As, a, as new homegrown content makes its way to the app, I was wondering two things. One, why was there a gap between seasons two and three? And two, what led to the decision to bring it back for season three? Good questions from Matt from Milford. Yes, Matt, Matt from Milford. Um, you know, Flip from Connecticut says, 
um, what I would say to Matt from Milford, being flipped from Connecticut, I would say this. Um, well, we had to sort of delay the start of the season because of the COVID situation. I mean, it's, you know, we couldn't film and uh, tape and do the things that we needed to do um, without obviously being in the proximity of the players. And then that was a whole sort of COVID situation as the, you, you, you could quite figure out why. So that, that was the delay. Um, and there was no, there was never a doubt to bring it back. I mean, I, I fought really hard to get that show on the air for a couple of years. I wanted that show on the air for a while, but you know, it was tough because, you know, it's like uh, it, it, sometimes you, it, when you're dealing with, with an organizations and the Yankees are a great organization. I mean, not because I'm, you know, I work with them, but they are, I'm going to be a great organization, but you know, sometimes it's like, uh, you know, their focus is on the development of the players and, and they don't really want the distractions that come with filming a television show, which is what it is. You're taping a television show and it's not, it's not easy to, to do that without causing some distraction. So, you know, you don't want to take the focus from the players who really are there to, to they're learned to, to get to the big leagues and they, you know, they've got to perform, they've got to concentrate and, and, and it's uh, TV shows are nothing if they're not distractions sometimes. But so once we could convince them that we weren't going to be a distraction, we'd be a minimal distraction. And there was a huge benefit to us doing this for our fan base to understand that these prospects that you see these guys in and all, all these prospects that you see now, a lot of these guys in the big leagues, they started on homegrown because that's where you first met them. And they've been, now they graduate way they're in the big leagues there's a whole slew of them and you know you you look at that and you say i mean the yankee roster's got wade it's got montgomery you know Esteban floreal played there was playing there recently was you know call up was here we've had a number of players uh you know carla gashioka the home run stroke glaber glaber torres i mean yes all those all them were on homegrown clint, clint yeah. frazier right a whole slew so and there's be more the, the more coming so that's the whole point of it the fan base gets to know them before they get to the big leagues and they go, oh i know that name i saw them on homegrown if you're a frankie fan you watch homegrown and you get some familiarity with them so it's an important show for for the fan base more for the players they really enjoy it the, the younger kids so they've got something to point to for the they put on their little the reels their you know their little resume reels if you will and they, and they love it they families enjoy it so it has a, a very nice halo effect uh for everybody and uh and there was no there was no debate about bringing it back it was really the COVID situation that made it sort of a late return email number two comes from jason from greenwich so that's two connecticut people Yes. Uh, and remember, guys, if you want to email us, that's curtaincall at yesnetwork.com. Please uh, leave where you're from. I like to know. Curtaincall at yesnetwork.com. That's correct. So if I want to email me personally, that's what I would use. Yeah, but you, you don't have access to the email box. No, I leave that to the great Ashley Fugazi. Ashley <laughs> yeah. takes care of all my emails and stuff. It's all Ashley, but she, I can't move without Ashley. All right, Jason from Greenwich. Hi, guys. Love the podcast, especially when you talk about this week in Yankees history. Keep it up. My question to you is, I know this is a Yankees podcast, but what's going on across town? Yes, the Mets lead their division right now, but they certainly look like a team on the decline. Before you go flip, let me tell you, the Mets are three and seven in their last 10 games. So yet Jason makes some sense here. Well, I mean, listen, they're, they're battling some injuries. It's it's not a great division. The National League East, they've the the, the division has been is basically a mediocre division right now, and so the, the fact that the Mets were able to lead it, you know, is more just this says a lot about the strength of the, the division. The Mets are not a bad they're not a, they're not a bad baseball team. Anybody who thinks they are is silly. They're not a bad baseball team. It's just that and they're going through injuries. The same, every team goes through injuries. It's just a matter of if you can get through them, can you weather them. It's really tough to the best two players in the organization is what is uh, DeGrom and he's now uncertain about how much long he could pitch this year, how much he will pitch this year, certainly shutting him down, which he is now is certainly not helping them because he was, a, he was an automatic W every time he went out there and he was a dominant W and uh, you know, he inspired everybody who played behind him and watched him. And so to lose DeGrom is a major, major, major blow to the Mets and, and also not having, uh, not having the, you know, the shortstop, which meant so many, uh, which meant so much to them. Uh, you know, he's Lindor. In, oh yeah. Francisco Lindor. Sorry. I should mention his name. That would be probably be a help. Uh, but uh, he's such a great player and uh, you know, to have him, you know, um, he was just finding his stride and he was making it started to make a big difference to him to go down. It's tough to replace talent like that and not, uh, you know, and not, uh, you know, feel it. So yeah, that's a lot of it. And there's also other reasons they're just struggling and they are, I mean, and they're going through a bad time. 
every team has runs in them and every team has collapses in them. I mean, that's just the way the season is. It's 162 games for a reason, folks. It just is. It's it's, and you've got to be able to, to play cons- as consistently as and rather just play consistently and avoid the t- extreme highs and the extreme lows. If you could do it and you'll be better off. But when you start playing the game of, you know, because the Mets are struggling right now. They really make no mistake about it. They're struggling. And, you know, and it's just a matter of can, can the rest of that division, which isn't very good right now, could they take advantage of the struggles in the Mets? That's really it. Because if somebody could step up and do it, they'll win the division. And the only way the Mets can make the playoffs really is that, because the division is so weak is they have to win the division. They're not going to bounce in as a wild card or anything. So that's it. Let me ask you something. Speaking speaking of the Mets, how big of a loss is it not to sign first round draft pick Kamar Rocker? Well, it's a loss. I mean, he's a big talent. I mean, he was uh, certainly at one point that people thought he might might be at one point the first player taken in the draft. I mean, that's how much talent you know. Look, the people looked at him and said, you know, whatever the reasons he that turned out he didn't slot there. But I mean, he's certainly a, one of the major players in the draft, one of the major talents in the draft. That to select a player like that and not be able to sign him, I mean, it certainly hurts for sure. Well, how about we give uh, emailer Jason what he wants? You remember what he wants, right? Some this week in Yankees history. Yeah, let's do that. All right. August 4th, 1985, two things here. One, Phil Rizzuto is knocked down by a cow during a ceremony in his honor. <laughs> holy cow, holy cow, holy cow, holy cow. Later that day, your friend Flip, Tom Seaver, threw a six-hit oh, yeah. complete game to pick up his 300th career victory. Two things for you. One, falling down because of a cow is, is so Phil Rizzuto. And two... <laughs> Tell me, I, I know you were close with Tom, with Tom Seaver. How'd you get to know him? Uh, how'd you guys become so close? Uh, how did I get to know? Well, how do I? Well, the scooter thing was scooter being scooter. I mean, it was so Phil Rizzuto-esque. It, it, there's no, it's so fitting to Phil Rizzuto and the cow. I mean, that they just sort of fit each other. And it's part of his charm and part of why Phil, the legend of Phil Rizzuto, the legend of Phil Rizzuto. Oh, that cow, oh, that scooter. Oh. I remember that well. It was funny, uh, but that's Phil, and uh, nothing could be more fitting than than that episode for sure. Um, Tom Seaver, um, I knew him from the NBC Game of the Week, I, which I worked on in the you know I started my career basically in the mid seventies, uh, working on the NBC Game of the Week, and uh, I was a uh, uh, at various incarnations of it. I was uh, an associate director, and I did a little directing, and then I was a producer, an recording producer, and whatever. And then I wound up running it for a while. So it was a great series to work on. And uh, Tom was one of the talents I wound up working on with. Um, I uh, got to know him really well when he was part of that group. And we became really good friends. Um, You know, Tom was not without his his challenges in the beginning, because Tom was a very interesting guy. He's the best friend you could ever have. And he was a great friend to me. I can't think of a better friend I've had in my life. Um, But it was very hard to know him because he was a very private person. He didn't like attention, believe it or not. It's tough to not want attention and be a Hall of Fame, you know, type dominant pitcher in New York, which he was for many years. And uh, to have that legacy and that ability and uh, that kind of recognition and you want to be a private person is not exactly they don't always go hand in hand. So that was tough for Tom. He didn't want the recognition. He was private. Um, but if you were able to crack that veneer of Tom and able to, you could not find a better human being to be friends with. And he was just, we were great friends for, to each other. And, but he was an incredibly good friend to me. And I, uh, but I met him on the NBC game of the week and we, you know, we had a few challenges in the beginning. We don't know. We really gravitated to each other, but once we, once we broke that wall, uh, it, uh, we were, like I said, we grew into an incredible friendship and uh, I will always uh, remember Tom in a very, very uh, um, humble and wonderful way just a great human being and a one a tremendous baseball player did he live in your neighborhood or am i making that up no he lived uh, he lived about uh, two miles from me and we would he'd call me in the morning a lot of times so what are you doing let's go over here let's hang out with you. let's do this let's do that and um you know he uh, he taught my son how to uh, he was such a competitor time my son was having trouble and you know when he was he's about seven years old and he's trying to play wiffle ball whatever and he's having a lot of trouble you know, hitting the ball and so I said to Tom, I said, Tom, do me a favor. 
come over and maybe work with my son because I sometimes father and son it's really hard to to communicate you know whatever and I, and I don't know that I was having any success I figured oh Tom Tom's a pretty good hitter actually for being a pitcher or whatever good athlete maybe he could have some success so I asked would you work with my son oh yeah of course of course I work with my son John so he comes over and whatever and he says all right Johnny you stand there whatever he gets over to play takes the first pitch he hits it right in the ribs I go, Tom, that's my son. What are you doing? What are you doing? He goes, he's hanging over the plate. That's my part of the plate. He's got to learn. He's got to learn. You got to establish boundaries and things. I mean, I said, Tom, what's wrong with you? What is what is what is wrong with you? Uh, but but that was Tom. You know, he was going to play in a certain way. He was extremely competitive, and uh, I mean, that sounds whatever. But but that was just Tom being Tom. And if you knew Tom, and you understood Tom. You understood what Tom was about, and he was a. He was a remarkable human being, and you'll never be another Tom Seaver. No one, no one like him. So glad you told that story. That's hilarious. <laughs> but it was funny. You know, he's my poor son. What is that? <laughs> but the, my son was really close to Tom too. We really loved Tom. Loved him. August 6, nineteen seventy nine. Bobby Mercer delivers the eulogy at Thurman Munson's funeral in Ohio, and later that same night, drives in all five Yankees runs, including a three run home run and walk-off single in the ninth inning as the Yankees beat the Baltimore Orioles 5-4. to four. I don't care what you believe in, Flip, what anybody believes in, you can't tell me that somebody wasn't looking down on Bobby Mercer that night and helping him along the way. You know, no doubt, and Bobby was extremely close to Thurman. Lou Pinella and Bobby Mercer were extremely close to Thurman Munson. And, uh, you know, and they, uh, like I said, you know, the eulogy that, that – because the team had gone to Canton, Ohio, which was where uh, – was uh, was where Thurman was from and where the, the burial was being held and and uh, the whole team had gone there for the for the the service and for the the, the eulogy and and um, and uh, it obviously had a very profound effect on the, on the players but they all decided that they wanted to play for Thurman they they wanted to play the game they did not want to there wasn't going to be a forfeit they just weren't going to play they would do it some other time but the, they said they wanted to play for him and his memory and you know and they had great and then bobby had a particularly great game he just really did but that was for his friend and then he it meant everything to bobby and even years later i had the discussion with bobby when he worked for us at yes in the beginning of yes and he told me what that that was among the most meaningful games he ever played in his life was that game because it was for his friend where were you when you found out about thurman's passing I was in a, I lived in an apartment in Brooklyn, New York, and I was in my apartment. It was, it was a little bit of a thunderstorm going on and I put on the news and uh, it was the lead story on the news. And that's when I heard that Thurman's plane had uh, gone down at Canton, Ohio, and that he had uh, passed. And it was in total shock. I mean, total shock. I mean, I didn't know him. I mean, I met him a couple of times through the years, you know, just being around the Yankees and working on that. Like I said, on the NBC game of the week, I got to know him a little bit, but I didn't really know him. I mean, I get to say that I got to know him. I didn't really know him. I met him. That's a better way of putting it. But uh, I mean, obviously I knew what a great player he was and what a difference he was and how his teammates felt about him. And so it was a terrible, terrible, tragic way to lose a, lose a life, a terrible way to lose your life and a terrible effect that he had on, you know, his, losing his family and <clears throat> family never mourned it forever and Yankee fans forever. And it's just, you know, he's had such a profound effect as a person and as a player. So those losses are the ones that stay with you forever. While we're on Thurman, we should mention that friend of the show, Ron Bloomberg has a great book out uh, detailing his friendship with Thurman Munson. It's called the captain and me Uh, definitely highly recommend you pick that up. A great book. It's a great book. Uh, You know, maybe we'll have Ron on, one of these days, uh, you know, and uh, we can uh, talk a little bit about it. But uh, it's a great book. I, we highly recommend the book. And uh, he's Ronnie Bloomberg is a great guy. He's a wonderful guy. The first DH, right? That's yeah. one of his claims to fame. But he's a pretty good baseball player. Uh, he, uh, people just remember him as being the first DH. But he was more than that. He was a really good player. And he had a really profound effect on his teammates. Very, very beloved, actually, Yankee. Good guy. You get a chance to buy the book. Please go out and get that book. Um uh, you will uh, you will find it a wonderful read. I can't endorse a book when I would endorse that book. We don't, long-time listeners of the show know, we don't hand out like endorsements or tell people to go buy things, but this is a book that you want to go check out for sure. For and I love the cover. The cover is a play of the, of the Thurman Munson 1970 rookie card from Topps. Um, were you a big baseball card collector, Flip? Uh, you know, I was in my, in my erstwhile youth. You know, when I was a youngster, I mean, I, I, 
I collected cards like I guess every kid collected back in the day. And baseball was the sport then, the the, the only real sport. And so, you know, that's what you did. You collected cards. You tra- they were the currency of childhood. You know, you collected yes. them, you traded them, you put them in your baseball, your, your bike, the spokes, because they made some cool sound. You know, I mean, oh my, yeah. and, uh, you know, I can't tell you, I mean, if somebody had a Mickey Mantle rookie card, I'm sure in their spokes of their bike, and you start thinking about the value of that now, I mean, it's unbelievable. And everybody's got the same story, you know, their, their mother or their parents threw out their baseball cards uh, the minute they went to school or college, whoever, and those cards were gone. So uh, I actually have in, in my, in a home, in my home, in a case, it's not many, it's about, it's probably about 20 cards uh, on display. And they're from my childhood. They're my Yankee cards that I kept that I had from the from 1960 baseball season. You know, and it's Maris and it's Mantle and it's Whitey Ford and it's Elston Howard and, you know, it's Cleet Boyer and Bobby Richards and Tony Kubek, like those guys. And it's a great. So every time I look at it, I don't, I pass it and I look at it and it puts a smile on my face because those were great times in my life. And those were wonderful teams to watch. And, uh, and it was my first real, you know, my first real love affair. Although I was grew up a Brooklyn Dodger fan because my dad owned a bar across the street from Evans Field. So I grew up kind of a Dodger fan, but they had left when they deserted us, which they did. And they moved to L.A. That destroyed everybody in Brooklyn. And, and we just I don't know if I'd ever root for a baseball team again, but I I decided to gravitate to the Yankees who were the enemy. But I did. And I uh, I'm really glad I did. I mean, it's like, cause I love the game and I needed a rooting interest. So this, therefore I went. So it was my first, I don't want to say my first real love affair was the Yankees of 1960, but my first real um, um, watching every game and, and being so devoted to the game was then. And I was like eight years old or whatever then. So there you go. I've seen that display uh, of those cards of yours. Yeah. That's really cool. Um, it is fun. Yeah. A ton of fun. I could tell you that from the age 10 to 15 yeah i was convinced i was going to open a baseball card shop like that was my future uh good thing i didn't because like there was no money in it i guess years ago now you do it you're you're going to be yeah. super rich because the value of these cards is it's just going through the roof and, and the gum hasn't changed <laughs> the gum on the back of those cards is like it's like uh, they can put that gum in the smithsonian i mean it's just it just it's what it is but uh yeah well it was a Great times, great times. And yeah, you know, you realize that, you know, baseball is, uh, you, you, you mark the generations are marked by the game. You know, you go back and, you know, you remember those players, but you remember the, your life, what it was like then, because, and you associated with those players. Like my life in 1960 was nothing like my life in 2021. You know, nothing like it. And, and But my life in 2021 has significance. And, and if I collected cards now, some I would look at those cards and I would link link the, that time, that time frame with those players. And that's that's the, one of the great things about the game. You remember where you were, what you did, what your life was like when when a team was on a run or some players were dominating or they, the team was in a World Series or whatever it was. You relate those years with those times in your life. That's what helps make baseball the special game to me that it is. No doubt. One more uh, this week in Yankees history, August 7, 2007. Jabba Chamberlain makes his major league debut. I chose this one because I was wearing my Jabba Chamberlain shirt earlier, <laughs> earlier today yeah. on the, on the Peloton. Yeah. Um, yeah. I like Jabba mania. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. That was sure. fun. Oh yeah. I, I really like Jabba. That was uh, a ton of fun. And he made Why? a nice contribution to Yankee history. He, he did for a while he was here, but he oh, yeah. ultimately didn't pan out. Why do you think that is? Well, you know, uh, I get there were reasons. I think I think when he became a starter, he is his arm wasn't able to handle the, the rigors and the demands of starting pitching. I don't think that I think that that sort of sidetracked him and hurt his career. I mean, ultimately, but no one knew at the time that that was going to turn out to be what it was, but it, it did hurt him. And uh, he was such a great reliever. I mean, he was, he, look, he was never going to be Mariano. There'll never be another Mariano. Just, just, just isn't, and there won't be. But, but he was really made some great contributions to the Yankees, pitched some important games, had some important innings, got some important outs. And he was a, he was a folk hero. I mean, he was a, 
big time fan favorite java and uh you know java rules java this java that java was incredible and uh the run was short but the run was actually spectacular in many ways but you know the demands of that also i think you know sometimes at a certain point in your life you're, you're given success and maybe you're not ready to handle success i mean it goes with, with for a lot of people for most people is that you have to if you're going to be successful and it works out usually it happens when you're older and there's a reason for that because you can handle it better when you're older younger you just don't you don't really think about it it's part of growing up and part of the demands of you know, of uh, the expectations, I guess, of getting older and growing up. And I don't know that Jabba was at that point in his life when all that success happened for him, that he was in a good place to handle it. Um, so I think that that was, he wasn't ready for that. And I, it's too bad because it, 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 I mean, I know Jabba, I haven't spoken to him in a while, but I, I really like him and I like him as a person. And, you know, and he uh, certainly his place in Yankee history is, is, is a nice one and a very secure one. More than a decade later, I'm still wearing his shirt. So yeah, so there you it's go. secure. Yeah. Also, you don't like shopping. I hate shopping. Well, there you go. You wear Java's shirt, like you know, ten years later. <laughs> <laughs> I have a ton. I probably have at least twenty of those Yankee shirts with the names yeah. on T-shirts with the yeah. names on the back. You, you, um, you, know, you know, I have a shirt. I have shirts that say Troy Benjamin and Josh Isaacs. You do. Isaac. They do. I really like those. I like Troy and Josh. I, uh, I, I was, you know, I, I need, I need to give them a shout out because like, we don't talk enough about some of the people. And yes, and you know, and uh, Troy does uh, is our producer on the, on our games, and uh, and Josh does the studio, and they do a remarkable job. They work so hard, and no matter what curveball you throw at them, they're able to figure it out and make it work. So, you know, I owe uh, we owe them, and yes, uh, you know, debt of gratitude for their. For their, not only for their hard work, for their extreme talent, and for the two people that they are, they're very, they're very good, decent, honorable people, and they work really hard and they do a great job. So, I'm very fortunate to have them in our employee. Why I decided to do that now, I have no idea. It's just that I just felt it was something I wanted to do. So, therefore, I'm sorry if I, but I wanted to do why. Like, why? Because Josh just called you before we started recording. It was probably on your mind, right? Yeah, probably, probably. That's I probably take, right, but I hadn't spoken to Troy yet. So why is Troy on my mind? Because he's Troy. He, he's always on your mind. He's always, <laughs> yeah, he does. He's, a, he's one of those unfegettable personalities. Troy Benjamin. He's, uh, uh, I will very, say, very good producer. Outside good of, oh, yeah. he is. He is outside of the great performance at Yes. Yes. I appreciate them, uh, Troy and Josh, because we always have great wrestling conversations. The three of us. They're they're big wrestling guys, but you well, didn't know that. No, I didn't. I mean, listen, so usually you could figure out a figure four leg lock when you see one, but so uh, <laughs> people love that. <laughs> so I, I love, I actually enjoy wrestling. I do too. You know, you know that we, we, we worked in the business, both of us at one time. So, you know, we, we appreciate the, the business for what it is and uh, it's, it's fun. I mean, it, it could be fun. And, it could uh, be. Yeah, it could be. SummerSlam right. coming up in Vegas. Rick Flair, does Rick Flair involved in anything anymore? Or is he longer? Rick Flair, he just got released this past week from WWE. This past week? Yeah. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. You're kidding, right? No, I'm telling the truth. He wasn't wrestling, though. He was like a type manager type guy. Oh, why did they release him? I think he requested his release. He didn't like how he was being used. I mean, okay. So he was a manager? He was acting as a manager? Yeah, and he would always be like, because his daughter. Oh, yeah, there. Charlotte. Charlotte? Charlotte, correct. Yeah. So, yeah, she's would always be on again, off wrestler. again with her. Yeah. Oh, she's great, right? Oh, she's a tremendous wrestler. What a, what a talent Charlotte is, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I don't know how we got on that, but... Um, no, it's all right. Should... It's, just, it's, our, it's our show. We can do what we want, right? I mean, kind of within reason. It's sort of like, it's okay to... Exp- I think it's okay to expand the parameters. And, and you know, sometimes hopefully the audience is with us. And if they're not, hopefully we don't go on too long to, to the point that they're distracted and say, I don't want to listen to this. So hopefully you enjoy it. And if you don't, let us know. And we haven't liked Ric Flair. Ric Flair is an interesting guy. Ric Flair is an incredible cultural icon. Oh, Yeah. He transcends wrestling for sure. No doubt. Like, all these NFL teams and NBA oh, yeah. teams, they yeah. like they invite him over to do inspirational <laughs> speeches, and he does his woo. And, it's it's, and that's the bottom line. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so good. Before we go, we should say next week, um, the Field of Dreams game next Thursday. Um, we have pre, right? Pre-game for an hour. We have a pre, we have pregame and we have postgame. Yes, we don't have the game. The game is on Fox, but uh, we do have pre and postgame coverage and uh, we'll be all over it. And uh, it's going to be fun. That's going to be a fun game. It's, uh, I saw the unis. Did you see the unis? Did you see the uniforms? Yeah, I love the uniforms. Yeah, quite spectacular, actually. Fun, 
fun. It's gonna yeah, be a good yeah. time. That's a good time. It's a it's a good idea about baseball and uh, you know, uh, surprised they hadn't done it but a long time ago. I mean, they hadn't taken advantage of that. But uh, I mean, I don't know what the dimensions of the field are. I don't know any of that, but I do know it's a, the movie's great. I mean, I, I'm sure most people listen to this and watch seen it. And if you haven't, you should see it. It's a, it's a great watch. And Kevin Cosner does is really really good in it. Not afraid to say that I got a little weepy at yeah. the end when they said, uh, he's like, Hey, do you want to have a catch? First of all, I think yeah. it's a play catch, but I think yeah. he's like, Hey, you want to have a catch? Yeah. Um, definitely weeped, cried a little bit. Sure. Um, well, I mean, me too. I mean, I, and I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm emotional. I'm an emotional person. So it's easy for me to cry. I mean, I, I cry at the opening of a, you know, shop and stop. <laughs> he's real yeah, no, it's, uh, they finally opened this place oh, they cry, you know. <laughs> the other movie yeah. without fail I've seen it a yeah. hundred times yeah. when Rudy runs out onto the football field oh, yeah. I'm waterworks every time <laughs> sure every time yeah sure what else what other, what other movies make you cry oh jeez I don't know those are the two yeah yeah pride of the Yankees makes me cry I could see that you know the you know the thing about it is the three strike stock. Oh, yeah, that gets me every every time every time three strikes stock. Oh, oh, I'll tell you one. What's that? This is embarrassing. Good. Um, <laughs> History, the of the Orioles? Orioles? No. History of the Orioles. <laughs> that makes me cry all the time. <laughs> what? No, uh, Armageddon with Bruce Willis. I can't believe I just said that in public. Wait, that um, makes you cry. Armageddon <laughs> with Bruce Willis makes you cry. What's wrong with you? <laughs> Seriously? Oh, you want it even worse? You ready? No, it doesn't get worse than that. Armageddon with Bruce Willis makes you cry. No, it gets worse. What's worse? I can't believe I'm about the to sequel, say The sequel, Armageddon 2? What? I what don't makes, know. What is worse it? than that? 97, I think the year was. I don't know. Yeah. I went to the movie yeah. with my then girlfriend and her little brother. Yeah. And I'm sitting there like <gasps> holding it in, right? Yeah. <laughs> but I wanted to cry so much. I, so the next day I went to the movies by myself yeah, to watch you, that movie again, just so I could let it out. This explains a lot to me. <laughs> <laughs> this, this, this don't makes too much sense now. Um, the, that movie made you cry. Armageddon with Bruce Willis made you cry. Yeah, they were going to die, man. The, the way they acted, the they should have. The way, the way that, <laughs> the, the, given that, the, 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 uh, the some words of that movie, they should have. Oh man, I can't okay. believe I just said that. That's all right. Okay, hopefully Bruce Willis, if you're out there, you've had a nice career, and don't get upset with Kevin and I. Okay, Kevin, <laughs> Kevin, Kevin, you make Kevin cry. It's hard to do. Steve Buscemi, come on. Oh, I love Steve Buscemi. That's that. Steve Buscemi is great. Of Sopranos oh. fame, of Boardwalk Empire fame. Yeah, yeah. Well, the only yeah. downfall is it had yeah. Ben Affleck. I don't love Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck's been in the news a lot lately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll leave it at that. <laughs> no, we, we can. We'll leave it at that. But uh, yeah, it's but uh, let's. You see, you see, you must have seen. You know, Argo, Argo. I'm sorry, Argo. I'll be right. Argo. You must have seen Argo, right? No, never seen Argo. Oh, Argo is a great movie. Won Academy Award for it. Argo, Argo is a great. He's in it. Ben oh. Affleck's in it. It's a great movie. Argo is a great movie. It's a great the actor who was in the Roseanne played the husband. Uh, uh, oh, John Goodman. Goodman. John Good, John Goodman, right? I love him. He's he's in it. Um, uh, Alan Arkin is great, tremendous in it. Alan Arkin is great, and it. it's 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 a really good movie. I would. Brian Cranston, I love. Right, right, very good movie. That's right. He's in it too, right? Yeah. All right, I might check it out. I don't yeah, have the attention should. span anymore for movies. What do you mean anymore? What? what? <laughs> on, like, social media. You know, I, I watch things I in 15 seconds. Oh, that's too bad. You know, some things deserve longer form life than 15 seconds. They do. You they know, do. I can name five. <laughs> <laughs> some, but some things are you just you need more more of an attention span for. Some things deserve no. to be savored. You know, they just do. Like the curtain call podcast. Certainly, like that. If you rate, review, subscribe, it you deserve it. <laughs> Before <laughs> I say anything else yes. embarrassing yes. about myself, yeah. Can we land this thing? Yes, yeah, I was just going to say it's, we're running out of steam here. It's time to land the plane. If we're talking about 
the emotional impact of Armageddon with Bruce Willis, then I think it's time to move. <laughs> we got to go somewhere here. Yeah. All right. So uh, rate, review, subscribe. We appreciate that very much. Thank you so much. Hope uh, we've given you uh, a little enjoyment, a little explanation, a little fun. And uh, we will be back uh, next week with uh, more scintillating <laughs> discussion and fun and hopefully something that keeps you, uh, that gives you some enjoyment. So for Kevin Sullivan and John Filippelli, we'll talk to you soon down the road. And the words of Ashley Fugazi, it's time to land the plane so let's land that plane. <laughs> <laughs>